You are now listening to EPT Podcast, an ongoing series of conversations with field experts in electronics design and engineering. This podcast is being presented by EPT Magazine, Canada's information leader for the electronics industry. I'm your host, Stephen Law, editor of EPT Magazine. Hello, and welcome to this podcast, which includes a conversation with Gord Harling. President and Chief Executive Officer of CMC Microsystems. Founded in 1984, this not-for-profit organization operates by helping researchers and industry across Canada's national design network. Their work involves lending assistance in the development of innovations in microsystems and nanotechnologies. Our guest is an R&D veteran with telecom and semiconductor firms in Canada. Gord Harling has spent more than two decades working in conjunction with tech startups in Canada. Gord, welcome to the podcast. I'm hoping that you might be able to share or might be able to provide our listeners with a little deeper dive on CMC Microsystems and the role it plays in Canada's tech development ecosystem. Sure. Thank you very much, Stephen. Um, So, yes, we are a not-for-profit, and uh, about two-thirds of what we do is we manage a a major science initiative called Canada's National Design Network, which is meant for academic research, Uh, and the services that we offer to academics uh, are CAD, FAB, and LAB, we like to call them. Um, CAD, we actually have... um, we have negotiated uh, special deals with um, about 30 different CAD vendors, and so we offer um, Siemens uh, Mentor, uh, sorry, uh, Siemens Mentor Tanner tools, uh, Cadence and Synopsys. Uh, we also have tools for uh, mechanical simulation, ANSYS and COMSOL, lots of tools for photonic devices. And um, we float these on our private cloud across Canada. So anyone who in the in academia who wants to join up um, pays an annual subscription fee and then can access all of these different CAD tools, not for themselves as well as for their entire research team. So um, that's the core of what we do. And then when they design something, uh, we help them to fabricate it. So we have, again, uh, we aggregate designs for over a dozen foundries around the world. And this year we'll do almost 400 designs. Uh, We'll actually uh, put them together, have them fabricated. We get the wafers back, we dice them up and we make sure that everyone gets their own device. So we're a third party, honest broker in the middle of that transaction that makes sure that no one sees anyone else's IP or design and so on. And it allows people to cost share as well. Uh, and of course, there are subsidies for the Canadian researchers, so they can develop products, uh, or sorry, I shouldn't say products, they can develop research devices very, very cheaply. And finally, on the lab side, um, it would be foolish for everyone to buy a very high-speed scope if they need it for one week a year. So we buy very high-end equipment, uh, we keep it in a, uh, an equipment pool, and uh, we ship it around Canada, and we ship it to all of our subscribers. Um, so having all of these, this sort of network of suppliers and all these arrangements in place, uh, we went back to them a couple of years ago and we said, you know, uh, the academics could never afford your very expensive tools and fabrication, but there's another, another group that can't afford it, and that's startups. So uh, could we do something for startups that would allow them to access the same kind of capabilities? And about a our third of our vendors uh, agreed to that. And so uh, we started a program called the Virtual Incubator Environment. And under this, you pay a small annual fee and uh, you get a, a, a access to things like ANSYS and uh, the Tanner tools for um, photonics and for MEMS and uh, a, few other, uh, a few others. So um, uh, the idea is these folks can now uh, get going and get a, a minimum viable product, get a financing and then pay for the commercial tool. So the tool vendors are very keen on that and that's been working very well for us. We have 
over a dozen companies signed up. We've only been going for about 18 months on that program. So um, uh, there's uh, quite a lot of industrial support there. Um, one of the more recent developments was uh, we've got a, a complete suite of tools for AI to the edge. So we have an eight petaflop supercomputer for inference and training. We have a FPGA GPU CPU cluster for emulation. Uh, we have uh, optimization software from DeepLight in Montreal for uh, optimizing neural nets. And then we have RISC-V cores that are um, being implemented right now in 22 nanometer uh, FDSOI. So there'll, there'll be a physical chip that you can actually take and play with. Uh, it'll have 200 K gates of electrically programmable FPGA on board. So you can do your own offload engines and you can do real IoT edge AI kind of devices. Uh, and we're also developing a 64 bit core along that lines, those lines. And if you're interested in quantum, uh, we have access to uh, the world's largest quantum computers. Um, announced yesterday was the 127 qubit from uh, from IBM, which we should have uh, access to by the end of the year. And uh, we have our own coding team. They won't allow people to just access the machine willy-nilly, so you have to pass through our coding team. But again, uh, that's available to our VI customers. And uh, we take the code, we verify it, and we run it on, the, on these machines and then help you to uh, interpret the uh, the wacky results that uh, that come out. Well, I'd certainly like to go a little more in depth on uh, each of these services that you provide. Uh, I think uh, right off the hop, you mentioned the CAD, FAB, and LAB services that are provided. Uh, which are the most frequently used and why? Um, yes, in the, uh, in the university environment, it's certainly the CAD. Uh, this would be very, very expensive otherwise, and it's the basis of everything you do. So some of our users uh, strictly do that and do theoretical sort of analysis. Um, and... Uh, I would say a third of them go on to actually fabricate devices. Um, fabricating devices is important because uh, it's much a better, easier to write research papers when you have a, a, a published result on a real uh, on a real circuit. But uh, CAD is certainly the uh, the most important of them, and we have about seven thousand unique users across Canada who access our CAD every year. We also have some CAD compute clusters. We have some other services that we offer along with the CAD that makes the uh, the whole experience more enjoyable, shall we say. And we offer cloud, uh, CAD in the cloud for both um, uh, Windows and, uh, and Linux, Unix. Who can access the fabrication services? Uh, are there limitations or how is that vetted? No, anyone at all. Uh, the, uh, you pay your fair share of the bill if you're a, an industrial customer or a non-subscriber or a foreign academic. But uh, we are uh, the aggregator for global foundries down to 12 nanometer FinFET for all of the Americas North and South. And they've been giving us customers from India and Abu Dhabi and all over the place. So uh, that's been uh, very, very popular. Um, obviously, our main focus is Canada, and we don't subsidize uh, beyond the, the cost sharing uh, if you're not a, a Canadian academic. You've described it as very unique research work that's conducted out of uh, Canada's National Design Network, or CNDN, as you would refer to it. Can you detail some of the research work or activities that go on there? We have a, a, our head office in Montreal. Uh, we have a, a fairly large office in Ottawa. Our largest is in Kingston still. Uh, and we also have people in uh, Victoria, Vancouver, Edmonton, right now Halifax and uh, Sherbrooke. So uh, quite right across the country and we provide services uh, all across the country. So uh, what we do is provide the tools. I like to say uh, we sell the picks and shovels to the miners for gold. So we provide the tools to researchers and they carry on uh, the research effort using our fabrication tools, our simulation tools, and so on. 
um, and they are in every field. We, uh, we don't select for life sciences or for agriculture or for IT or anything else. Uh, we just provide the tools and, uh, and they run with them. Okay. What so, specialized labs and equipment are available? And, and what are the costs? <laughs> so uh, we at CMC are a, basically a offices. We're, we're a virtual organization. We don't have any labs ourselves. We don't want to compete with the nanofabs across Canada, but there are 43 nanofabs associated with universities across Canada, and they provide a variety of services. So if someone comes along and wants um, something unique deposited or some, uh, some pattern, uh, you know, pattern by an electron beam, uh, or something, something strange, we'll find the appropriate lab for them to go to and hand them on. And uh, what we try to do is to um, grease the whole process, uh, the business process, so they can get a quotation from us, they can get a, an invoice from us, they can pay the bill, and we'll, uh, we'll sort out the, uh, the, de the details with the universities. Um, so uh, that's really, it's, uh, it's anything that you can find at any university in Canada, we can access and, and provide you with a, a service. How would you equate the fabrication production at times? Now, obviously, it is not. Uh, it's going to a variety of different players that are handling and creating the wafers. So, it, I guess the uh, the timeline can vary. But is there? Um, can you prom make promises to those that are involved as to how long that process will take? Um, I would like to say three to five months, but we're at the mercy of the fabs. <laughs> <laughs> but those are sort of typical numbers. Um, we're very pleased to have just taken on uh, applied nanotools and nano SOI process. So this is a, um, a fairly simple, a few mask layers of, uh, of silicon photonics, which has got four to six week turnaround. So researchers can really spin a lot of designs in a year and a student can do some interesting work on that. Uh, and they're making that uh, process more complex as time goes on. So in February, we'll be doing our first run with lasers integrated onto those uh, silicon photonic devices. Um, we also offer um, MEMS devices through uh, Teledyne and through Microline, uh, Teledyne and Bromont, and uh, they purchased the Microline foundry in Edmonton. So uh, those take a little longer. Um, and uh, we, we have a proposal in with ICED um, uh, this is a, a strategic innovation fund stream five, which calls for proposals for ecosystems that are pan-Canadian that um, can put Canada uh, at the head of sort of global competition. And so uh, with all of the semiconductor shortage discussion, we uh, felt that uh, perhaps Canada isn't ready to throw billions of dollars at attracting a, a CMOS fab to build conventional devices. And we would be head-to-head -head competing with China and the US and these kinds of investments. So we like to pick some niches where Canada has real know-how and real capability. And so that is um, MEMS sensors, these um, mechanical sensors uh, that are used in car airbags and tire pressure sensors and occupancy sensors and all these kinds of things. Um, and we have the world's largest foundry in Canada, Teledyne uh, in Bromont, uh, and they purchased Microline in Edmonton, so it's even larger. Um, another area is compound semiconductors. We have the uh, Canadian Photonics Fabrication Facility in, uh, in Ottawa, run by the NRC, and uh, they can also do high-speed GAN devices, uh, gallium nitride. So a uh, very interesting technology for going above 38 gigahertz, which is a controlled goods regime. Um, silicon photonics could easily be done in Canada at a variety of places, including Teledyne and C2MI and, and, and applied nanotools. And uh, finally, superconducting quantum. So the Quebec government is very keen on becoming a center for production of superconducting quantum devices. And so uh, we are currently running a hardware course to train people how to design these things. 
and uh, we're getting it fabricated in the US, but uh, we will eventually in two or three years be able to transfer that to Quebec and have that run out of the University of Sherbrooke or the C2MI uh, and uh, build those wafers for, for anyone. Uh, so we'll take in customers internationally, but obviously uh, Canadians will get a, a subsidization and they'll have early uh, access to the, to the process. Okay. Uh, as EPNT's readership is, you know, is heavily weighted towards electronic hardware design, I was hoping that you could speak to the pillars of CMC services uh, that are provided and as a facilitator and sort of walk us through if I'm a uh, hardware tech startup in Canada, who is my first point of contact? How do I get the ball rolling and, and what services can you provide them? Uh, so most of that would come under the heading of VI. It's just uh, send an email to sales at cmc.ca or VI at cmc.ca, and uh, we'll uh, ask us what uh, and tell us what you're looking for. If we can't provide it, we'll certainly uh, direct you to the appropriate place. But we do have the uh, the VI services, which are mainly uh, CAD and uh, access to the fabrication. Um, another component of the um, uh, of the pr the proposal we put into ISED, uh, which is called Fabric, by the way is um, we want these devices that we build in these four key technologies to be in introduced into IoT devices. So uh, we've asked for part of the program to be used to subsidize development of IoT devices. And uh, of course we can help you with the AI and uh, side of that or uh, edge processing if you're gonna do an IoT device with some intelligence in it. And uh, all of those uh, kind of uh, avenues are open. Okay. You mentioned the fabric uh, initiative, of course, is that uh, a go now or is it still at the proposal stage? And, and if so, um, maybe you could just uh, share with us who some of the partners are that you're aligning with. Ooh, uh oh, I'm going to forget someone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so fabric is a letter of intent that we sent to I said uh, some time ago, we're waiting for a go ahead to develop a full proposal. But um, we do have over 80 letters of support. Uh, there are 14 initial partners in it, uh, Universities of Toronto, McMaster, um, Sherbrooke, and UBC. Uh, and uh, we also have TELUS, uh, Teldio, a company that makes uh, IoT devices for shipping packages and containers. Um, and this is where I'm, uh, one qubit, Xanadu, who build quantum computers. Uh, and a couple of people in the photonics world, the uh, INO in Quebec City and, uh, and some others. So the, a nice spread of partners across the four threads of fabric, if I can use that term, <laughs> and, uh, and then some IoT companies as well. Good. Uh, in the past year has been extremely busy for you and everyone at CMC. Uh, most recently, your group is aligned with the Canada North Business Association uh, to support a new state-of-the-art global tech center and it's called Hub 350. Can you share with us uh, what this later, latest venture entails? Uh, yes, so uh, serendipitously, our uh, office in Canada is uh, in the same building. And so uh, it's a, we can walk inside to, to get there to Hub 350. So uh, we certainly do want to talk to some of the larger companies in the area. Um, every year, about 700 grads uh, use our tools to complete their thesis work and graduate and go to industry in Canada. And another 300 go to their home countries or go into academia or you know so on. So, um, uh, so we're interested in making sure that we're uh, providing the appropriate tools for the companies, for the large companies like Ericsson, Sienna, uh, Nokia, and so on. And so we want to have more discussions with them and that Hub 350 is a great place to interact. Uh, we can also use it as a training center so we can talk about our tools and processes and procedures uh, and, uh, and use the Hub 350 as a, as a meeting point for all of that. 
So we joined as a partner and uh, we're uh, firmly committed to promoting 5G, which to us is just another application of the tools that we, we offer. Okay. What, what design disciplines are available at uh, Hub 350? Um, it's not so much design. It's more of a, uh, a place. Uh, Carleton University has some room there. RBC has some room and so on. It's a, it's a place to connect. Um, we actually have technical teams internally, uh, which are focused on microelectronics, on MEMS and packaging, on photonics, on quantum, and on uh, IoT and edge AI. So those are the five internal teams to, to, uh, to CMC, and that's our focus in terms of supporting technologies. Right. You also uh, mentioned or alluded to earlier in our conversation about quantum computing and CMC's involvement in that of late. And uh, can you share with us what level of collaboration you're endeavoring with uh, DeepLight, which is a Montreal-based uh, provider of AI software? Yes. Uh, so DeepLight, uh, we, uh, we negotiate deals with CAD vendors, and generally they're uh, very... Uh, very open to offering us uh, academic or even cheaper than academic licenses for access because they want people to get trained on and uh, leave university with, with a partner in mind or a, a piece of software in mind that they'll, they're going to ask for. So um, the deep light one is for AI has been very good. Um, on, the, uh, on the quantum side, uh, we purchased access uh, to the first quantum hub in Canada, which is at the University of Sherbrooke. And so um, we, that's why we have our coding team located there. But uh, at the same time, as long as I have a coding team, why not offer some other options? And so uh, we've been running a, a quantum sandbox with Xenadu, who have a photonic quantum computer. Uh, we've also purchased some time on IonQ. We've uh, been in discussions with D-Wave and also with Anion. So um, we can offer, uh, those. these systems are all very different. Some superconducting, some trapped ion, some photonic quantum. So uh, we can offer coding assistance on any of those machines. Currently, we have three industrial projects and about 11 academic projects on the go. And they are all over the map from um, respiratory uh, tract uh, modeling to uh, dam reservoir uh, modeling to uh, just some of the strangest things I've ever seen. A little bit of life sciences, a little bit of uh, mechanical and civil engineering. Yeah. Uh, according to a recent report issued by CMC, your organization has supported the creation of 250 Canadian tech startups over the past 25 years. Uh, to provide listeners with perspective, can you shed some light on some of the su successes and the processes and services in, in microsystems and nanotechnologies? Yeah, so we're very much uh, interested in hardware and in people actually building things. Uh, so uh, uh, we only started tracking uh, startups 25 years ago. And so we've, uh, we've gone back and verified uh, the 250 that have been reported uh, by professors who are faculty members who are members of our, uh, our, our service. Uh, they tell us every year if they've, if they've uh, started companies and so on. And then we track them as time goes on. So of the 250, half of them are still in existence. Um, the ones that aren't in existence may have been acquired or merged or uh, or uh, moved elsewhere, but uh, they they so they could still be producing Canadian jobs. We're very happy about that. And of the 74 that were generated in the last five years, all but one are still uh, in existence. Hmm. So uh, it just shows, I think, that hardware is very very important to survival of a of a it's a it's a barrier. Uh, and when you start getting your hardware designed into systems, it's uh, got great stickiness and really helps you uh, survive through the tough times. Um, I hate to denigrate software, but uh, that's one of the, the beauties of hardware is that, uh, is that you get that great stickiness with your customers and you, uh, you can stay alive uh, more easily. 
So um, yeah, so it's mainly been CAD and then the fabrication of the first prototypes and the proofs of concepts and the feasibilities, and that allows people to, uh, to take off. Um, Spark Microsystems is an example in Montreal. They do an ultra wideband uh, transmitter receiver, uh, and uh, they've raised a lot of money. They're doing extremely well. Um, they are uh, up and running uh, woof, uh, with so many companies, uh, Eponics, uh, I'm sure uh, we could go back to the start of uh, BlackBerry when it was research in motion. It was using tools at the University of Waterloo. Uh, many, many uh, Canadian companies have, uh, have started from humble beginnings uh, using our, uh, our services. And certainly the 700 grads that come out every year uh, are a big boon to the industry as well because they're well-trained on state-of-the-art tools. They're not downloading freebie stuff off the, off the internet to learn how to do design work and simulation and so on. The CMC is truly a Canadian organization and that your services support educational institutions and collaborating companies in every province from coast to coast. Uh, how do you ensure that that coverage, uh, I don't know if you have control of this, but that you are making sure every nook and cranny of the, of the nation is covered and getting its due uh, provisions of service? <laughs> well, the beauty of CAD, which is really the flagship, is that uh, we have it, we float it in the cloud. And they have the option of running it on their own computers locally and having their own IT people manage it and so on. Uh, but then they have to patch it and upgrade it and maintain it. So um, up to 17% of our users use the R cloud. You log into your CMC account, you open a window and you, you launch Comsol or you launch Cadence or whatever you, whatever you happen to want to use that day. And so uh, that's the beauty of it is that you don't need to be at a large university. You don't need to pay a lot of money. You pay our annual fee, which per research group is only $1,000 for academics. Uh, and all of your students get on and, and start using it. So uh, that I think is, uh, is key. And then if you've got the money for a fabrication, we subsidize it heavily. But again, you submit and uh, many foundries would not talk to a professor from a small university or they would not deal with a small, you know, one millimeter squared design or whatever, but we aggregate, we get those together and we're doing 50 different runs this year, 50 sub, uh, submissions of fabrication runs to do about 400 devices. So everyone gets access to the most advanced technology that is on offer. Um, we currently offer down to 12 nanometer FinFET. Uh, we have high voltage, uh, high speed processes. Uh, it's, a, it's a really broad range, a lot of photonic stuff. How are graduating students or postgrads with this uh, project in their in their dream space uh, made aware of these services and support that CMC can provide them? <laughs> that is the hard part. <laughs> um, uh, universities are quite siloed off. For the first time, well, less than half of our members are from electrical and computer engineering that they used to dominate. Now we're getting more and more into physics and into chemistry and other departments within the university. So uh, one thing that CMC didn't used to do was really connect with the vice president of research and the deans of the faculty. They tried to connect directly to the researchers. So uh, now uh, last year I did 45 meetings with VPRs of, at universities across Canada, including the smallest ones, uh, including some colleges. And so we try to make them aware and uh, some of them will tell you that uh, they lie awake at night worrying that they might have missed an opportunity. So when I tell them about CMC, they, they're quite happy to connect me to various people. Uh, and we are also offering first year free for newly appointed professors. So they, it's the, uh, they, can, they can have a taste of it, they can try it, they can see how it works and then uh, they'll renew the following year. So we're, we have over 600 uh, research teams currently paying subscription every year and, uh, and it's ramping up at about 10% a year. Oh, that's awesome. 
um, as part of CMC structure, it operates with a board of directors. And I'm hoping you might be able to share with us uh, who some of these board members are and what tech disciplines they represent and, and how long each member serves. Um, so the board is 13 people, myself plus 12 others. And the, the 12 others come from um, four different areas. Uh, there are four industrials, there are four institutionals, and there are four academics. Um, on the academic side, we really don't want to have our clients pulling the drapes, you know, pulling the... the uh, pulling the covers over towards them. And so uh, we take VPRs and we take deans, we pay, take people who are higher up in the organization uh, rather than individual researchers on the board, at least. Um, the, uh, the companies who are currently on there include um, Teledyne, Microline, uh, the INO is on there as, a, um, as an institutional. Uh, uh, there's someone from NRC that's on the board. Uh, it's, uh, it's a mixture. And uh, we did make a commitment under the 50-30 program. So we actually, of the 13, we're so far five females. <laughs> we're doing our best. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, well, membership education is also another important component to CMC. And uh, I'm wondering if you could describe the breadth of programs that are available to members and how are they managed? Yes, yeah, so um, we have a variety of different ways of getting at uh, uh, training. Uh, one is the vendors that uh, provide us with these licenses and with these fab services are very keen to get in front of customers and, and learn more as anyway. So uh, under COVID, it's been great that we can do a Zoom talk and we uh, address everyone across Canada. So someone from Comsol will talk about how Comsol can be used to address a specific type of simulation problem. We'll put it out into our network and we'll do all of the logistics and support for that, uh, that training class. Um, there are also classes that come from the universities where they are funded under perhaps an NSERC CREATE program, and uh, they're funded to do, um, uh, for instance, we have a photonics passive course, a photonics active course, a, a superconducting hardware course, a FinFET layout course, uh, and uh, the way that these work is in a format that we call base camp. Uh, in a base camp, you get two to three weeks of tutorials, lectures, and, and workshops. Then you the then you keep you keep the tools live for about three months as you do your own design using what you've learned in that base camp, and then uh, we fabricate that design. And the following summer you have to test it and provide a test report. So uh, in in one course that we give with UBC, the they get the student gets three credits for doing the original course, and then three credits for doing the test report, for instance. And uh, the way that credits work out west is uh, anybody can just apply and have them transferred to their home university. So uh, a very flexible kind of program. Uh, and then we do some uh, training of our own. So CMC, uh, we look for holes in the ecosystem where it makes no uh, logical sense for a company to develop something. There's not enough of a market for it, but it can be of help to tens if not hundreds of researchers. So um, we developed an, an open-faced sensor that you can coat on the surface and it captures charges and it generates an electrical signal. So if you're a biologist or a chemist, you know nothing about electronics, this gives you a way of getting a signal out that's electrical, is measurable, and so on. And so we build those devices, we sell them, uh, and we give, uh, we give courses on how to do your own. So if you, want, if you don't like the designs that we've put out there, you can go and come in and do your own. We do a run once a year, and that both helps us to increase our inventory and, uh, and allows people to do custom designs. So last year we did uh, two designs, one for gases, one for liquids, and uh, we had three other uh, researchers camp on and do their own custom design. But we have a dozen different products like that for photonics, for microelectronics, the RISC-V cores, all of those kinds of things where you can actually um, go to GitHub, uh, GitHub slash CMC Microsystems, you can find all these devices, you can download the entire kit and design your own 
What other services or programs that you would like to alert our audience that may be coming from CMC? What else is up your sleeve for 2022, if anything, that you can share with us? Uh, we're onboarding some new processes. So there'll be a, a CMOS imager sort uh, process. So you can build your own CMOS uh, camera. Uh, there'll be a, a high voltage process uh, uh, from a European vendor. And uh, we'll we'll see what else we can bring in from uh, from Canada, from uh, the West uh, Applied Nano Tools. They have a number of processes, and they work with a, a group called Dream Photonics uh, to do both quantum devices, uh, superconducting devices, and uh, and photonics. So uh, we'll see what other we're, we've got two processes from them now. We'll see what else we can onboard and aggregate for them. So it's a lot of fabrication. Uh, we constantly look for new uh, software that people might want. Um, and, but we, we sort of test drive it for a year and then we provide a, uh, a report on how many unique users were and how long the sessions were and what tools they used uh, to the vendor. And then uh, we engage with them to purchase some if, if there was sufficient interest. So <clears throat> I can't tell you which ones we're working on right now, but uh, there's always a, a flow of, uh, of tools and fabrication capabilities. Uh, and we have about two and a half billion dollars worth of gear in our uh, tool pool that we ship around. And if tools aren't being used by academics, then we will rent them out to uh, to companies as well. So you can find all of that on our uh, on our webpage. I was just going to give that URL away. It's pretty straightforward: www.cmc.ca. Or at the end of the uh, our session here, Gord, I certainly appreciate all of your time here, and this has been an extremely enlightening and informative discussion. We hope our listeners have gained a better understanding of who and what CMC Microsystems is and does. Thank you to our guest, Gord Harley, President and CEO of CMC Microsystems. Until next time, thank you for tuning in.